Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello and welcome to another Premier League preview podcast. Normally, these are exclusive to Patreon and our wonderful Patreon members, but I did say we would release this for everybody today, given that it is a North London derby this weekend. It's a big game. Everyone's excited, and we didn't talk a great deal about it on the main pod today. So this preview podcast is free for everyone if you're listening to it on Patreon. Thank you very much. If you're listening to it on the main feed, you could sign up for our Patreon if you want, uh, get exclusive content and support everything that we do. It's patreon.com forward slash arsblog. With that out of the way, delighted to welcome to the show to talk about this big game, Phil Costa. Hello, Phil. Hey, Andrew. Thanks for having me. I feel like with that intro, we just sort of teased our ankles a bit for the Patreon, you know, just lifted the skirt up slightly. So, hey, why not? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> if it does sound a little bit different, I am in London right now. I'm in a, a sort of hotel room in London, so I'm not in my usual office setup. It's a bit echoey. There's a there seems to be some kind of kids um, daycare center at the back of where this is. So there's loads of screaming kids, which I don't know if you're going to pick up on the microphone, but hopefully, hopefully that's not the case. Um, before we move on and talk about the game and you know the various permutations and, and the bits and pieces that we're going to all think about as we go into this one tomorrow, I suppose you should talk a little bit about Emil Smith-Rowe and the the announcement yesterday that he's had surgery on an ongoing groin problem. Mikel Arteta spoke about it today, said they tried to do all kinds of things to avoid surgery, but ultimately that's the decision that they've they've come to. It is a blow, Phil, obviously, because October, we've got nine games and there's another four games in the in the first couple of weeks of November before we break for the World Cup. So it would be better, obviously, if he was around. But there's still a lot of football to play after the World Cup when we come back. And I guess the sensible thing is to use this period of, you know, 10 to 12 weeks to make sure we get him fully fit. I mean, yeah, I think that's what it is. I think it's a big, a big shame for for Arsenal and for him personally because mm. after the kind of the, I'm, I'm not sure it was a breakthrough season, but he was one of our our most productive players, one of our better players, particularly in the first half of last season. Um, so he couldn't really build on that at all. And but for me, I think if if you kind of feel like you can put this issue to bed uh, with the surgery and maybe think, look, the World Cup's here. Um, it's not a, a, a busy schedule as it would have been in other seasons. So maybe they're just going to try and get it done, get it off the list and we'll try and get him back in as best shape as possible. But yeah, for me, he hasn't looked right for a, for a while. I think I think Clive made the point on the Arsenal Vision podcast this week about um, 
seeing how players run and how they move, you know, like in their in their sort of mechanics. And he was speaking about Aaron Ramsey, Thomas Partey, and I think Smith Rowe was the same. He just kind of lacked that burst, lacked that little bit of energy and, and you know, where he's so quick over the first five yards. And f- for a while, I never saw him comfortable. Um, I don't know if you, if you noticed mm. that, but I think it was just, you know, something that he needed to do in, in terms of the long term. And hopefully this can be the end of it and we'll, we'll nurse him back to full fitness as soon as possible. Yeah, fingers crossed. Because, you know, people forget he was our second highest scorer last season. I think he did 11 goals in, in all competitions. But I agree, he hasn't really looked fully fit for quite a while. When you look at the second half of last season, he was in and out. He was he did appear, I think he appeared in 12 of the last 13, but he might have only started four or five of them. And I do wonder as well, you know, when we got to the end of last season, we were thinking, you know what, you know who needs a rest, who absolutely needs a rest, Smith Rowe. Just let him go on holiday, let him recuperate, let him do whatever sort of bits of uh, fitness and rehab he needs to do. But of course, he went away with the England under-21s and played three games in, in 10 days, which I'm not sure was the best thing for him, given how little he he played in, mm. in pre-season. So, you know, managing what appears to be like a... It's a sort of an issue that's run through his career, if you like, because he went uh, on loan to to RB Leipzig, and uh, I think he played just a couple of minutes because he had hip slash groin injuries and the various bits and pieces that he've ha- uh, he's had. It does seem like maybe they are all connected to this one major issue, major in inverted commas, but sort of the the persistent issue, if you like. Yeah, I mean, it it was initially reported as sort of growth related um, Mm. problems, wasn't it? I mean, it happens to a lot of people, I'm sure like, you know, certainly with me, I had really bad growing pains because I had quite a quick growth spurt. And in my knees, it was, you know, waking up a lot of mornings in a a lot of pain. So Mm. I guess whether it's your knees, your groins, your ankles, we have to consider that these are young men who are still growing, who are still filling into their bodies at, you know, the elite level. Mm. Um, so they need to be managed as carefully as possible. And and like you said, if there wasn't a way to get him through this, through, you know, rehabilitation and stretching or yoga or Pilates or whatever they tried, I think this is just um, the best thing for him long-term, even though the short-term consequences for both him and, and, and us as a side um, look a bit shaky before the World Cup because you look at the depth charts, you look at the fixtures coming up and you're a bit like, hmm, okay, yeah. maybe we uh, we might be a little bit exposed here. And, and you could see that we did try to to go for a winger in, in, in the summer, even if it was a bit tentative with, you know, Pedro Neto and others being mentioned. But let's see. Well, let's see. It's a chance for, for potentially some others, Marquinhos, Reese Nelson, to come back into the mm. side. So... We just have to hope that they can they can fill us in and help us out until he comes back. Yeah, I mean, if we're looking at Marquinhos as the, the, the sort of replacement slash depth option for Bakayo Saka on the right, particularly when we're talking about the Europa League games, the question about who plays on the left is is a big one because Martinelli played, Gabriel Martinelli played there against FC Zurich. You can't play Martinelli on the left for 90 minutes in a Premier League game and then play him 90 minutes in a Europa League and then play him again. So, I mean, I had literally forgotten about Reese Nelson when I was considering the options. He hasn't played. I mean, he hasn't played a lot on the left, but, you know, Arteta spoke today at his press conference about how they're going to need everybody during this Mm -hmm. October period. Like if you are going into, you know, you've got a North London derby tomorrow, the following weekend you're playing Liverpool, 
you probably want to make as many changes as possible when you're facing Bodo Glimt in midweek. That is the the kind of fixture which allows you to do that. Surely Reese Nelson has to come into the equation. I don't, I don't think he's got a long-term future at Arsenal, but I do think that in this very short term anyway, it is an opportunity for him to play, put himself in the shop, shop window a bit, and also a chance for Mikel Arteta to rest Gabriel Martinelli because he's going to need it. Definitely. And it's interesting because Reese Nelson actually started the first, um, that first, or was it the second game, I think at home against Chelsea, the, the one that we lost um, when Bernd Leno made that uh, mistake at the end mm. and Jorginho scored, even though he should have been sent off. Not that I'm salty about it still or anything, but um, he, you know, he actually featured quite a bit early on under Mikel Arteta. So maybe, look, I, I agree with you. There's, I don't see you know, a long-term future for him here, unless we've got some Eddie and Ketia-like resurgence, um, you know, in the next few months. But in terms of having a, a capable body who's, you know, we know he can play at that level and just to come in and fill in in Europe to give others a rest, I think he's more than capable. Can play on the left, can play on the right. It's a good chance for Marquinhos as well. So, look, I mean, they're in the squad for a reason. They're there to be used and to be selected. So, it, you know, it, it's not ideal, but this is a situation we find ourselves in. So let's just see how, how we go. Yeah, exactly. It's it's something that every club has to deal with. And, you know, when you boil it right down, I know he's missed a couple of weeks, but we're going to miss Smith-Rowe for six weeks. And then hopefully by the time football returns after the World Cup break, uh, you know, on December 26th, you know, he, he will only have missed six weeks of the season because of the surgery. Whereas if it was a normal season, he could well be out for a lot longer and missing more games. So I'm not saying that's necessarily a silver lining, but I guess we have to look at it in that way. So look, let's move on and talk about Arsenal versus Spurs. Uh, this is a, a huge game. Mikel Arteta was asked today if, if what happened last season at White Hart Lane would be motivation. I don't think you need any more motivation when you're playing Spurs anyway. It is what it is. Everyone knows what the stakes are, how important the game is, you know, in this season and every season, just, you know, locally, but sort of in the wider picture again this season because of where both teams are in the Premier League. It's, it's a huge game. I, I'm curious what you think about what Mikel Arteta said, where he said uh, it's the nicest game of the season by a mile for what it means for our supporters and the history of it. And I know what he means because if we leave the Emirates Stadium tomorrow, if I'm walking out of there after a 3-0 Arsenal win, he's absolutely right that it is the nicest game of the season. But I do think the build-up, the, the pressure, the nerves, the anxiety, everything that people feel going into this game makes it a bit of a chore for some people. No, I, I get it completely. I mean... Like you, it was it was my birthday this week on Wednesday. Oh, happy birthday! And I thank you, thank you, and to you. Um, and I taken a couple of days off. Um, I had some holiday left, and my boss was like, "Take take some time." Um, so I was like, "You know what? I'm going to do it." And I I regretted that decision immediately because I now have time <laughs> to think about the game. <laughs> so I've been waking up. I'd even dreamed about it. I had a dream yesterday about it and I was there was an injury to Bukayo Saka in the warm-up and I was like, oh God, this can't be happening. And I oh, woke no. up, my heart was racing. And you know, you, when you're working and you're doing other bits, you keep your mind off it. But it's just, it's a horrible game because almost like the stakes are for losing are worse than than being able to boast and brag when you win. Mm. Um, and interestingly enough, I think this game is bigger for us 
much bigger than us than it is for Spurs at this moment in time because I feel like if they lose, they can compartmentalise it and kind of just say, look, we've still got however 30 many games left of the season. This is our first defeat of the season. It was away from home. I feel like they could easily just skip by it. But for us, for Arsenal, there's a few narratives that we maybe need to debunk, um, you know, some doubts that we maybe needed to, to debunk and also what it means for us as a side um, and how we sort of go into this sort of phase before the, the World Cup because it's a it's a really important one. It's a really important one. Sure. Um, the team news, such as it is, uh, I, was, I wasn't really expecting Mikel Arteta to give much away. Um, he came back, he said, <laughs> the boys, you know, they look like they're in good shape. You know, they looks like, uh, looks like they're in good condition. Now, there were some players who obviously had some injury issues. Thomas Partey went away with Ghana didn't play, had a knee problem. Uh, they said he was going to be all right. Then he came back. Uh, Alexander Zinchenko didn't go away with Ukraine. Kieran Tierney came off for Scotland with a with a head injury. You would uh, imagine that there's just a bit of common sense I- involved in that decision uh, to not play him in the other one. Takahiro Tomiyasu uh, went away, played 90 minutes for Japan and then came back. Um, a curious sort of uh, wording around that. It was like club circumstances. And uh, we don't mm-hmm. quite know what that means. Some people have taken that to think that there is an arrangement between Arsenal and, and the Japan FA. And actually, um, Arteta did say that about Tierney. He said the best way to look after a player is have clear communication and be honest and transparent. And with Scotland, that is the case for sure. So maybe that applies to other uh, international uh, FAs and and what have you. But when he was asked who was going to be fit, he just said they're all part of the team. I mean, I I get it. Like, you know, he does not want to give anything away. He really doesn't want to give anything away about who's available, what system we might play. You know, even though I think, you know, ultimately that kind of information doesn't really have a huge impact. I I don't think Tottenham will be looking too hard at who we've got and who we don't have just because of the kind of game it is and the way that they play anyway. But, um, I mean, you have to hope, let's say, that Thomas Partey is fit. You have to hope that Zinchenko and and, and uh, Tierney are fit. It gives him a decision to make in those areas. But um, maybe he's just being a little bit coy ahead of this one, and we should take that as perhaps a bit of a positive. That's how I took it initially. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you never know. I think if, if players were out, I think he maybe would have been minded to say. Um, but... I with especially with Tomiyasu, especially with Tierney, um, I feel like those were just like conversations with the you know with the respective mm. national team saying, look, um, they haven't had the greatest record of uh, fitness record in recent months. Just give us a chance to work with them. We've got a big game on on Saturday. Um, I thought, did you watch the? Did you see that compilation of Tomiyasu by the way playing against no. the USA? No, I didn't unbelievable. See it. Ooh, I did see him make an amazing goal line clearance. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He he was playing left center back and That's where he plays for them. Yeah, yeah. His 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 like left foot was just unbelievable. He was like breaking the lines with his left foot anyway. Is he an option? Maybe we can talk about it after. Um but yeah, I think those two were more of like a you know, sensible conversations to be had whereas there's been a bit of mystery over party and Zinchenko. I mean, Zinchenko, we haven't heard anything since mm. um since the the start of the international break and there's been nothing on on Instagram there's been like no you know working hard on training or any or any of that <laughs> stuff so i think 
I don't know if they've been told to do that or um, or if that's, you know, still there's still some uncertainty around them. But I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I think with Party they were playing Nicaragua uh, in the second game. And I think, I hope there was just, look, guys, this is a, <laughs> we need him. We need him on Saturday. You don't need him against Nicaragua. Um, and I think I'm quietly optimistic with Zinchenko, but if we need to play Tierney, it's not the end of the world. So, mm. um, but it is funny. I feel like Mikel Arteta wasn't always like this with the team news, but in the last kind of six to six to nine months or so, yeah. he's just been kind of so uh mysterious and stoic about uh, who's fit and who's not so yeah. it's funny at the end of the day it's a bit of you know a bit of something to watch out for in the press conference i'm looking at the the training pictures the latest training pictures and i see martin odegaard i see fabio vieira i see william saliba mm-hmm. i see marquinhos i see eddie Nketia, i see bakayo saka uh granite shack is in there gabriel jesus is in there i don't see any of the players who are sort of on the list, if you like, of, of guys oh, who might be injured. So I don't see Tierney. I don't see Zinchenko. I don't see Partey. I don't see Tommy Asu. But I'm abs- I'm almost certain that that is entirely deliberate, that before Stuart or uh, David uploaded mm-hmm. the, the pictures to to where they upload them, um, you know, are, are those guys in there? No. Okay. Make sure that those guys, we keep, keep Tottenham on tenterhooks yeah. going into this. But yeah. Just put those in the uh, in the recycling bin. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, one man, I, I, I look. I don't want to put too much on one young man's shoulders, but William Saliba has been absolutely fantastic this season. Um, he's been calm and cool and composed and assured and has defended um, really well. I think maybe his most difficult game was Manchester United. It's fair to say, as much as it pains me to do so that the forward line he's going to face on Saturday, tomorrow, is a much tougher proposition than any forward line he has faced so far in his Arsenal career. I'm not saying this is a make-or-break day for William Saliba by any stretch of the imagination. Defending isn't down to one person. It's it's a collective thing. How we play the game, and we'll talk about that now in a moment, um, is an interesting uh, thing to consider. But it is a test for him, isn't it? This is going to be a, a game where he is properly Premier League tested, if that makes sense. Totally. Um, and actually, he, he's coming off the back of a, a, a little difficult fixture with France. I, I don't think it was his best game, um, but it was kind of a very young, rotated side, so I don't think it's, it was too big a deal. Um, but in, in general, I think he's been so impressive, um, quite colossal, actually, in, in most of the games. I think of Crystal Palace, I think of Brentford, um, just the the kind of the calm and composure, as you mentioned before, has been a real bonus to our backline. But importantly, I, I go back to the, as much as we don't want to do it, go back to the game that we lost towards mm. the end of last season. And the backline of, of Cedric, Rob Holding, Tommy Asu was at left back um, and Gabriel, was it Gabriel yeah. on like half, Gabriel, half a yeah. hamstring? Yeah. Um, we were, we were down to the bare bones in that game. And if you, let's be honest, if you want defenders who, who can equip themselves in space, Rob Holding and Cedric down that side with Hume Minson is not the, is not the partnership you want there. But with no. Ben White and Saliba, I'm, you know, a lot more confident in their abilities to A, run backwards um, and B, handle themselves a bit physically against, yeah, like you said, 
two of the best or, or even three of the best if Richarlison plays or I think Kulusevsky is an injury doubt but mm. I think Kane, Richarlison and Son would be a, a front line for any defence to struggle with so look undoubtedly it's a big test I think you, you mentioned the Man United game there and I think that was largely down to game state um, particularly with how stretched things got in the second half but there were a couple of moments when Rashford um, and I think it was Alanga managed to get back uh, in behind him but look I think we need to we need to put him there and see we need to you know this is a test for as much as it is for him it's it's as much for us and the club to to really evaluate him because i'm not saying any of the teams we've played so far have been easy but this is this is where he earns his money right in these games and i think i i think he's got it in him to be able to defend well against harry kane i i mm. for some reason whenever kane plays at the emirates i i see him quite muted um, and that's been down to a lot of good individual performances. I remember last year, Gabriel just just boshed him. Ben White just boshed him off the pitch. But I can never tell. All it takes is one run from Son in behind and, you know, and then he's got an assist or whatever. But with Saliba, I, I just feel a level of confidence with this back four now. They seem very grown up mm. um, and sure of themselves. And they've got a nice mix of physical attributes that for me suit not only each other, but the Premier League. And look, he, this is what you, you earn your money for. These are the games that you want to play in. And I think he, he's more than capable to rise to that occasion. Sure. And I think, you know, I think you're right to point out that this, you know, whatever back four he picks tomorrow, if it's Tierney or Zinchenko at left back, if it's uh, Ben White or Tommy Asu at, at, at right back, you know, it's Saliba instead of holding. It is far, far stronger, um, you know, and at a better point in the season where, like you say, people are, you know, running around on half empty or just trying to hang on because because of injury. The, the other one, of course, is Gabriel Jesus up front, um, you know, with, with all due respect to Eddie and Kedia, who did a very good job at the end of last season, you know, that's another one where you look at uh, the difference in the team from last season compared to this season. Like if Partey's fit, you know, Partey's playing instead of Elneny, again, all due respect to Mo, but that's a different proposition for the Tottenham midfield. If you've got Partey, Shaka and Odegaard, it is a little bit different than Elneny, Shaka and Odegaard. Gabriel Jesus then leading the line. He is walking a bit of a disciplinary tightrope as well. He's on four yellow cards. One yellow card will see him miss the game against Liverpool. Um, can he even consider that? Is that something he can think about going into this game or does he just play the way he always plays? And, you know, look, he can control certain aspects of it. You can be, you can use some common sense, like the the yellow card he picked up against Brentford was easily avoidable, it's fair to say. Mm-hmm. So he could mm-hmm. do that, but but I, I guess he's got to focus on, you know, the way he, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like he's a pest for the defenders. He's really going to have to hassle them and harry them and, and the chips may fall where they may in, in terms of yellow cards. It's a really difficult one because I, I think for sure it will be mentioned by Arteta and the, and the, and the, you know, the training staff, his assistants, I'm sure they will have watched some video back and, and said, like you said before, maybe avoidable this one, or, mm. you know, maybe don't, pulling back when you're running on the halfway line. Um, but I think it's just who he is and how he plays. He wants to be involved. He likes the contact. Um, and for me, I would just try and you know tell him to go out there and enjoy himself and play as he normally would. Because if you start to think about the next game or, or, or any consequences like that, maybe it will throw you off. 
and we can't afford that. Um, mm. We need him playing at 100, 100% accelerator down, um, and I've got no doubt that he will do that. Did you see his quotes in midweek, actually, yeah. um, about um, how he feels free under Mikel Arteta? Yeah, they were quite um, interesting. Yeah. It's not the first time he's made them, is it? I don't know if you've got them mm. there, but I remember them from a couple of weeks ago where he was talking to ESPN Brazil and he talked about, I'm not the, what did he say? I'm not the robot or something that, you know, at Manchester City where you are just part of a, the Borg footballing collective, mm-hmm. you do your thing and that's it, where there's not much room for expression. I think you've got the quotes there. So Yeah, yeah, I've got them here. He said, he said the thing, the thing was with Guardiola and the way he understands football, it's up to you to accept it or not. If you don't accept it, thank you and let's go for another challenge. I accepted it for a while, but there came a moment when I said, I want something else for myself. I thanked mm. him. I said, thanks for everything he understood and we moved on. And then the the next part was, I talked a lot with Arteta about Arsenal's style. He knows me. I know him. I understood clearly what he wanted from me. Now I'm free on the pitch, playing football with a smile on my face and trying to do my best all the time. So I think that I think that's fairly telling. Um, but even though it won't be a huge surprise to know that um, Guardiola is a bit a bit stricter in that regard. No, no, true. And like it, for some players, it can just be the perfect thing. It can be the perfect way to get the best out of their talents. For some players who feel like they want to express themselves, who need a little bit of freedom to move around on the pitch, as we've seen with Jesus to great effect, then then obviously that's um, you know that's something that will give him confidence. And you know he's he's played exceptionally well, and I think he's probably you know, one or two, maybe more goals behind where he should be in terms of his, his, mm-hmm. his tally. So we'll keep fingers crossed. He can, um, he can add to that tomorrow. Last season, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, when we went to White Hart Lane, you wonder if the, the outlook should have been a bit more conservative ahead of the game, Mikel Arteta was talking about, we, we're going to go, we're going to play our game, which is great. But when you're playing your game, as you say, with a right back and a right center back pairing, which isn't your first choice by any means, you're playing your right back at left back, uh, you're without ex, you know, Thomas Partey, et cetera, et cetera. You're missing some fundamental pieces, which allow you to play the way you play to the best effect. I look at this lineup that you know we could potentially put out tomorrow and i think well we're at home we've got the players we've got the confidence we're sitting top of the table the crowd will be up for it you you've got to you've got to go for it you've got to play as much as possible in the way that you are training to play every single day right that's how you do it this is what you're spending all those hard yards on on the training ground for all those hours on the training ground but the other side of that, of course, is that that's kind of what they want you to do. I mean, I remember having this conversation. I can't remember if it was you or with somebody else on the podcast when Jose Mourinho was in charge of Tottenham. Like, this is what they want you to do. They want you to play. They want you to have the ball. And they're going to try and kill you in transition and kill you on the break. How do you find the balance then? You know, when the onus is on you as the home side and when the crowd is behind you and when you know, the players are, are full of confidence and, and playing well. How do you temper the, um, the, or the desire to be as progressive as possible when you know the opposition are 
are lethal or can be lethal when they attack you when the ball breaks down. It's difficult, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think last year we got caught in the headlines a little bit because if we won that game, we would have secured top four. And I think there was a real kind of desire to put the Arsenal flag down on that pitch and say, look, there's a change (laughs) happening here. And very quickly we learned that wasn't, wasn't the case. Um, But you're right. I think last year was, was slightly mismanaged. Um, Mm. But this year you're right. You're, you're completely right. The onus is on Arsenal. We're the home team. We're the ones, well, in in air quote, unquote form. Uh, We're playing good football. We're playing well. We seem seemingly have a a clean ish bill of health. And I think the the crowd is going to be absolutely bouncing on Saturday. Um, But you're right. That's, I mean, anybody who knows Antonio Conte, who's watched his sides before, the fact that he likes to break um, with two or three excellent forwards is is hardly a surprise to anybody. I mean, if you look at any side he's been successful in, the 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 team he won the 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 Chelsea team he won the title with was basically just the same move every week: Fabregas clipping the ball over to Diego Costa, with mm. some Eden Hazard sprinkled in between. They won the league that year. Into Milan. Eight, eight people behind the ball, knock it up into the channel to Romelu Lukaku or Lautaro Martinez, let them score. I think they scored like 37 goals between them that season. They won the league. Two, two players again. And now you see them. They have the back three. They have the wing backs. They have Hoiberg. You know, it's probably going to be Bentancur in midfield. But they're there to, just to keep things tight, be physical, be strong, keep that central area packed. And what are they going to do? They're going to look for those runs in behind. So it's, it's really nothing novel on a tactical level it's just this is the standard is just really high for me for me personally I think we're in a, in a good enough shape and confident and comfortable enough in our in our tactical ideas and our system to really impose ourselves I think the start is crucial I think we need to start well we can't afford them time to settle into their shape and settle on the ball and I don't think we will do that because I think we've started well generally mm. in most games this season. And especially in a game like that, when the adrenaline's pumping, the crowd's up for it early on, it's kind of the perfect recipe to really get get onto them. Um, but as we mentioned, all it takes is just Kane getting his head up for one second, slotting the ball through and Son's, son's through. So I understand the need for, for balance and maybe just holding that thought in the back of your mind. But I think... Over the years, I can think of so many top performances against top sides, um, even stretching back to, to Arsene Wenger when we had the sort of Cazorla Coquelin pivot of us just going really hard, really fast early on and killing the game as early as possible. Even last year, yeah. even last year, we scored three goals in half an hour. I mean, I know it's very different. The circumstances are, are different. Um, but for me, I think if you focus too much on the on the opposition, you 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 can you can lose yourself slightly, um, and I think mm. it's a good opportunity to really relish having that responsibility and onus on you to really put down a marker and say, you know, we we lost against United, but that was just a fluke on the day. This is this is a good team we're playing, and this is going to be a good performance to beat them. I hope that's what yeah. I'm hoping for. Yeah, well, I hope so too. You know, I think 
the, the the thing is, you know, they they we can talk about this, and I'm sure that this exact conversation has been played out at London Colney between Mikel Arteta and his staff and the players, and the, the, the there won't be any lack of awareness about how mm-hmm. Tottenham want to play, about what they're good at, and and how they hurt you. So it's about recognizing, being able to recognize the danger as quickly as possible. You know that that when you do have the opportunity to go forward. Maybe it doesn't have to be a hundred percent. It can be like eighty-five percent, if that makes sense. Where you do have somebody who's recognizing the fact that, look, this is a promising move. If this breaks down, though, we could be in trouble if they transition. So I'm just going to, you know, hold my position here. Whether that's Thomas Partey, whether that's Granit Xhaka not making a lung-busting run into the box to get on the end of a cross, whatever it might be. I do think that's going to play into it. Final thing, I mean, you mentioned the crowd. You mentioned the, the the support. This is going to be my first home game of the season. Really looking forward to it. You know, everybody has been speaking about what the atmosphere is like. The crowd is the 12th man is perhaps a little bit of a cliche. But at the same time, we've seen something develop and something happen at the Emirates between the home fans and between the team. And it's symbiotic in a way that, you know, if the team are performing, the crowd are behind them. And even, you know, go to the last game of last season where we went went and played Everton. It was really disappointing because of what happened before, but the crowd were still there and still right behind the team. So there's a there's a part to play for the 60,000 who are going to be in there tomorrow. Absolutely. And I'm very jealous that you're going to be there because it's been a while since I've I've been to a derby and I've got no doubt that it's going to be completely loud, hostile. It's going to be rocking. And those are the games, not only for us, but for the players as well, that this is why you play the game. This is why you follow the game, to be there in that moment. Um, and I think Arteta's done a really good job of managing to not only mend that relationship, but maintain it and even elevate it um and i think there's just a great deal of trust Mm. within everybody um the fans trust the players they trust arteta they trust edu and mertesacker behind the scenes and vinai and all those guys and i think you're just seeing that shine through um i think just to touch tactically quickly i think that the whether thomas party plays is going to be really important Mm. because he just adds a, an added layer of structure and stability to that midfield that I don't feel like we've cracked with Sambi yet. And Agreed. if Sambi yeah. is to is to be played, then it alters the role of Granit Xhaka because he's going to have to be a bit more conscious of what he's doing in the in the opposite side. Mm. So I'm really hoping that that part is available because I think that's that's an area where there's a, a quite a down not a downgrade but there's a there's a big difference in level um sure you know because even i think if 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 el nenny was fit and thomas party wasn't available he'd chuck in el nenny tomorrow i'm sure Mm. no i agree Um, i agree i think just because he he, yeah he knows where to stand he's reliable on the ball um so that's that's what i'm thinking just quickly as well tommy asu would you be tempted maybe (laughs) at, at anywhere along that back line left back um even right back tottenham are a big side they are a big side they are a big side um i mean i would be tempted i mean this is the great thing about this season where if he you know if he decided tomorrow to play tommy asu and not ben white i'd be like okay that's good i love ben white i think he's been fantastic this season and i actually don't see him losing his place tomorrow but Mm -hmm. if he went with tommy asu i'd be okay that seems fair um I, i i do think the one i would 
consider a bit more is maybe Tierney versus Zinchenko, mm-hmm. where I think if we're talking about the need to to offset some of what Spurs are good at, I, I think I would lean a bit more towards Tierney for this one rather than Zinchenko, because I do think, you know, as a, as a technical footballer, Zinchenko has got the edge, no two ways about it. But as a defender, as a left back, and as somebody who's used to defending in those dangerous areas, I think Tierney has, you know, the edge in that one. So that's kind of what I would be leaning towards there. I don't know if you agree, disagree with that one, but just yeah, you know, yeah. to be slightly mindful of the threat, I think Tierney versus Zinchenko is is uh, is where I would go. And if you've got Zinchenko as an option off the bench, then it does give you a great way of changing things. I think as long as... I mean, it was a head injury. So as long as there's sort of no risk of yeah. of any concussion or anything serious, I think Tierney should keep his place. And I think, to be fair, in the last few weeks, he's been excellent. Um, so I've got no no issue at all with him coming in there. And I think for those kind of games as well, mm. I, 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 I see this giving him something extra. You know, I, I, I think Tierney's kind of made for these days. Um and for me, he keeps his place, no doubt. I've I've got a little suspicion about Tommy Asu as well, maybe All coming right. in at right back, uh, but we'll see. Know. I think, like you said, we've got two great options there. So it was just interesting because I think Tottenham often like to cross. They like to be direct, big team, dire at the back. Romero, Sanchez, mm. you know, they've got some 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 really tall players, particularly from set pieces. So um, it was just, yeah, I think I think Tommy coming in would be. Um, Maybe not the worst decision in the world, but let's, All right, see. We'll, let's see. We'll see. Yeah, the big reveal will be about eleven uh, thirty tomorrow when Mikel Arteta releases the team and we find out who's injured and who's not injured and who's available and who's not. Um, we'll keep fingers crossed. It's going to be an exciting day, Phil. As always, thank you very much. Thank you. Enjoy the day. Let's, let's uh, bring the home the three points back to Dublin. Yeah, let's do that. Well, I'll I'll leave the three points here in London, but I'll bring myself back to Dublin. <laughs> you can bring the metaphorical three points with yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right, uh, to you guys here, uh, thank you very much indeed for listening. For our Patreon members, thank you. As always, we'll have more for you uh, during the week next week. We will have an Arscast Extra for you on Sunday evening. James and I will be recording Sunday evening. So let's keep fingers crossed for the right results that the uh, the good guys win out in the North London Derby tomorrow, and we will catch you on the next one. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.